0: very pleased to introduce you today to Dr. Anita Imadamwani. She is the Director of Clinical Support and Charitable Giving for Aspen Dental Management Incorporated, ADMI, one of the nation's largest and fastest growing dental service organizations. At ADMI, she serves as clinical liaison to both providers and office teams, while enhancing support programs and resources provided to doctors. As director of charitable giving, she supports Aspen Dental's healthy mouth movement outreach initiatives, which includes veterans programs, day of service and mouth mobile to provide free dental care to veterans in need, as well as the healthy smiles and international dental outreach program to provide oral health care and education to children, individuals and family in need. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Dr. Anita. Wani, Anita, I'm really excited to talk with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Can't wait to hear about your story and how you get into dentistry. So if you would love to share with the audience, we'd love to hear how.
1: Absolutely. and And first and foremost, thank you so much for inviting me on this podcast. Absolutely love everything that you're doing with this podcast in, in terms oh, of empowering women and Allowing, allowing us to use our voices on this platform to share our, our experiences and our stories and, and hopefully inspire others, you know, just as we have been able to have great impact in the industry, so thank you. Oh,
0: my pleasure, thank you for being
1: here. Um, and I'm happy to be here. So a little bit about me, I've been practicing dentistry, it's been nearly 12 years now, and I've taken on several roles in the industry Currently I am director of clinical support and charitable giving for Aspen Dental Management Incorporated. And it's, it's one of the fastest and um, largest, you know, dental service organizations in the nation. So it's, it's an honor and a pleasure to be a part of this organization. So my role at Aspen Dental is to be, you know, well, I wear two hats at Aspen Dental, one of which is the clinical support side. So that's really empowering and inspiring doctors, coaching them Training them with the right resources and tools to excel, both as clinicians and as leaders in their practice, and that includes the business management side as well. You know, being a support and a resource system for them. So what that requires is a lot of travel. I have a, a, a division that I support; it's the Southeast division, um, and really going into those offices and being shoulder to shoulder with those doctors, and you know, giving them insight and best practices on you know, how to manage their schedule effectively, how to develop and coach your team, um, how to collaborate with certain resources that we have in the office, like lab, you know, we have lab techs in the office, you know, and just other, other insight, other best practices. And then the other hat that I wear is overseeing our Healthy Mouth Movement program, which is our philanthropy program. And we have two veteran programs, one of which is the day of service And then the Mouthmobile, which is a 42 foot long dental office on wheels.
0: Oh, my gosh. I didn't know you guys had one of those. That's awesome. Yeah, we
1: do. I call call her the Big Blue Beauty. Oh, that's awesome. So she's traveling all over the United States, making about 30 to 32 stops a year. And for those particular programs, they provide free care to veterans. So with day of service, you know we stay open. Most of our offices will open specifically on a Saturday and provide free care to the veterans and then the mouthful bill that travels. The other program that I oversee and lead um, is our international, it's called the Healthy, Healthy Smiles Program. So it's an international dental mission trip where we travel all over the world, are immersed in the cultures, providing free comprehensive care um, and oral health promotion and education to those in need from remote, you know, remote villages, pueblitos, um, wherever we can, that we can have that, you know, geo footprint to provide that care. So I, I, f- I, feel, I feel fortunate to, to be in this type of role because it really allows me to harness my passions, which is mentoring and coaching, as well as the philanthropy side. So I have a nice blend along with adding a lot of that clinical expertise. And and prior to Aspen, I was a dental director for the Texas Division of DentalQuest Healthcare Delivery and in conjunction with being the residency director for NYU Langan AGD in Dallas, yes. And so I had the opportunity to collaborate with NYU Langan because they wanted to establish AGD sites in Dallas. So this was the first of their kind. And it was really from the ground up, from the strategic planning to, you know, identifying the residents, uh, recruiting them, identifying the right talent from a faculty standpoint and coaching and developing them to prepare for this program that we're gonna have in place to facilitating the academic curriculum and even going through the CODA accreditation. So we were able to get CODA accredited within that first year, which was like That's unheard amazing. of. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty amazing, good for you. It was unheard of at that time. And, and I have to say, you know, even thinking back on it right now, one of the biggest accomplishments I could say from that experience was not only you know, having the opportunity to work with other doctors and coach and mentor them, And, you know, from so on so many different levels, like I've shared previously, but from the residents, you know, when you talk about, you know, this podcast being a way to inspire the next generation, that's really what it was about with that residency program. We had three residents and these were individuals who were from, who were not from this country. So they were trying to make a way for themselves and for their families. And two of the individuals were leaving their previous country because of genocides and famine and things like that. So They came with such a compelling story and experience and journey. And so it was, it was, it was almost like it was up to me to be like their dental guardian angel here, you know, and make sure that they had the most enriching academic, you know, professional experience. So it put a lot of my heart and soul into that program. And they ended up being in the top 2% of the program they finish their graduation or their, their residency program requirements within six months.
0: Oh my gosh, of being there?
1: Of being there, all three of them, yep. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. And and you know, we still keep in contact. One of them recently over the holiday, she sent me a photo of her, her child that just turned one and told me great things about now her, you know, jumpstarting her career in the industry. She wanted to become a pediatric dentist and she did that and it was because of the, the foundation that was laid and the type of experience that she had when she was in that residency program and the opportunities that were afforded to her. So you know, I keep in contact with the, the others as well. But even, even before that, you know, I've taken on different roles in both the private and public sector of the industry from associate dentist to lead dentist, you know, again, dental director so I've come with a breadth of experiences in the industry over the last 12 years. I've been involved um, in different organizations over those years, have a very strong passion for the philanthropy side. So that has always followed me from the time I was young through me now having the career that I have and ensuring that I can still find ways to give back. And and utilize my talents and, and skill sets you know to do that so that's been amazing it's been an amazing journey
0: <laughs> well you can hear the passion in your voice for what you're doing and obviously this job found you you didn't find the job i mean you know it's one of those things that that's how the universe works because right. you know when you're so aligned with the you know the mission of what you're doing you can't stop people like that. They just keep they they just soar. It's amazing. Congratulations. That's wonderful. How did you get into dentistry originally? What made you interested in dentistry?
1: Oh, that is an amazing journey actually because it really started young, MJ. I was probably in elementary school and and it, you know how you you start to think about your life, like you look back on your life and you're like, where did this like where did this start to kind of mold? Where does this start to take shape? And it started then when I was young and I was bullied in school because of my smile. You know, I had very I know you're probably like, what? What? You get beautiful teeth, obviously. That's what orthodontic treatment and money and investment uh, does um, for one. But back then, you know, I had really severe overbite, overjet. I was bullied. A specific bully used to call me Bugs Bunny. I had a lack of confidence. I know you mentioned confidence. How does one establish confidence over time. So that really shattered my confidence. And you think, you know, early on, it's a very impressionable period as an as individual. You know, you're learning yourself. You're learning about the world and its, and it's ins and outs and, and relations to others. And here I am being bullied. And I don't want to smile. I don't want to, you know, really interact with people. I was very, very timid at least in school, you know, and, and my parents saw that as an opportunity to do whatever they could to invest in my smile. And even during that time, I always used to think, like, I wish I had the ability, like, I I didn't even think about myself. I was like, I wish I had the ability to help people fix their teeth and change their smile. For some reason, my little brain (laughs) back then would say that. And I wouldn't even think about me myself. You know, I didn't make the connection like how this was truly affecting me, you know? And it started to take shape. And eventually my parents um, were able to scrounge up the money and I was able to start the orthodontic care. And I tell you what, the moment that I met my orthodontist and he said that he's gonna give me the best smile ever As a 10 year old, I mean, my eyes lit up. I think that was the first time that I smiled in his chair and we hadn't even started orthodontic care. So you can only imagine like once we went through that process and I started to see the shift and I started to see the changes and I started to look towards the future and imagine myself with this amazing smile, this butterfly, this, you know, it was like a cocoon coming out of that and now blossoming into this butterfly and spreading her wings. That was a, a game changer uh, for me. And I went through that care for about four years. So when I was in high school, freshman year, races came off and I was awakened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how Anita got her groove back at 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, because that had already planted that seed and it, it hadn't it hadn't gained its articulation yet. If that makes sense, like it had planted this seed, but again, I hadn't p- connected the dots. Like, how do I get to that point in high school? They had a program called clinical rotation yeah. where you could, um, you were a selected few and you could rotate through the hospital and you could shadow different healthcare providers. Not only the hospital, you could, rot- you know, you could shadow a psychologist or a psychiatrist if you wanted to, or a dentist. And that's where, it, that's where it happened. They didn't have, interestingly enough, they didn't have, they actually didn't have dental on the list. Really? They didn't have dental.
0: Yeah, well, that's because medicine doesn't believe teeth belong to the body.
1: I don't know. Exactly. They had medicine. <laughs> I know. So that that was even however long ago it was back then. So yeah, so they didn't have dental. They only had medicine, psychology, psychiatry. So I went to the clinical du- Coordinator and I said, you know, I'm interested in hospital and if, and really I want to rotate through cardiology and ICU. Like I, I love that intensity. You know, you watch those shows. I want to be there. I want to be in the action. But is there any way that I could rotate into a dental office? And she said, you know what? We've ne- we've we don't even have that as part of our program. I said that's interesting because it's part of the healthcare profession. And she said, you make a good point. If you can find a dental office that will take you in and allow you to shadow for the next year, if you decide to continue for the next two years, then we'll we'll coordinate it, we'll integrate it into the program. And I said, you wait. (laughs) So I went to my family dentist, Dr. Andrea Lai, and i proposed it to her and she was she was more than happy to take me. Of away. course she was. She was probably so excited. Oh my gosh. I mean i've been i've been going to her for however many years. She was the one that referred me to the orthodontist. We had a great rapport. I respected her. You know, i you know, i saw her as an icon because of what she was doing. You know, I'd never seen that before. Back then you weren't seeing a lot of women, you know, in the industry, in the dental industry let alone in other healthcare professions in that type of role. You know, she owned her own practice. So I I did my rotations exclusively with her most of the time and the light bulb just went off. <laughs> that was it. That was it. And already in my heart of hearts, I knew I want to become a dentist. I want to be like a Dr. Lai who has overcome obstacles, first generation. I mean, first... Um, yeah, first generation really here in the States. she comes from a Vietnamese background that has been able to graduate from college, graduate from dental school, one of few women in her class at NYU and now be a a practice owner and be a successful one at that and a well-revered one in the community. So I owe a lot of where I am today to just having these different touch points earlier on in my life from my family, especially my mother. Oh my gosh, you'll probably hear more about her later on. My mother, Dr. Lai, who actually later on, a few years back passed away from cancer, yes. So, you know, it's like having to, you have these different people in your life that you wanna, when they touch you in such a way or they inspire you in such a way, you feel compelled to continue their legacy. Sure. You feel feel compelled to keep going, keep fighting, keep keep moving, keep excelling, because you know that there were people before you who laid the groundwork. They laid the foundation, so you got to keep doing it. So having that type of motivation and then taking it and running with it from high school, you know, focusing academically and, and everything on doing the right things, making the right grades, taking the right courses and excelling to put myself in a position to go off to college um, and then pursue this dream of being in the industry. Um, and this is someone who is, you know, first, first generation here in the States. You know? So this is from a family lineage of parents that came and emigrated from Nigeria here, wanting to live this American dream and provide for their children, their four children that they would have later on. And, you know, dad only has a high school degree. He ended up being an entrepreneur mom who also only had a high school degree. So there was a lot, there was a lot of motivation. There was a lot of motivation and maybe even a lot at stake, honestly. And I'm the firstborn too. So a lot of responsibility on those firstborns, I'll tell you. It it is. It definitely, it definitely, it definitely is. And then when you add the cultural traditional tradition customs aspect to it too, it heightens that that level of responsibility. So that's the journey to how I came to be in the industry. And again, I owe a bulk of that to my angel, my mom.
0: <laughs> so it, she obviously is the one person who inspired you the most and has given you the best piece of advice. Tell us a little bit about her.
1: Thank you. <laughs> she... She's, she's amazing. She's amazing. And I use present tense because she's still with me, even though she passed away. Oh, good for you. Yes. She is amazing. You know, again, she came here with only a
0: high school degree. You know, that gave me the chills, by the way. Oh my gosh. What a wonderful thing to say. I mean, your mom is just, she's beaming right now.
1: Oh, oh my, it gives me chills all the time, you know, because you never forget. You can only... You can only let it live on. And what I can say is this is a woman who came from a time, her and my, my father came from a time of Nigerian civil war. There was genocide. There was famine, you know, families pulled apart, torn apart, especially my dad. And all they wanted to do was get away and, and live a good life and establish a good life for their families. So, you know, they wanted that American dream. My dad came first. And then a couple of years later, my mom came and then eventually I was born like a year later, but they, you know, she came with no, she came with only a high school degree, which is not recognized here, right? And all she had really to her name was some of the classes like mathematics and science, home ec, the traditional female oriented classes. That's what she took that she really excelled in, but that's all that was offered to her.
0: Sure. Right. That's a way to, what I, when I reflect back on, on situations like that, that's a way to control the women because you don't want to give them too much education. Right.
1: Right. Cause maybe edu- too much education is too much power and more resistance or whatnot. So she came here and, you know, her first job was like working in the kitchen. She was working in the kitchen and with individuals who spoke Spanish. So she actually learned how to speak Spanish. She became, I guess, trilingual. She spoke multiple languages, including the Nigerian dialect. And she would come home and she would teach me Spanish. So I ended up becoming trilingual as well. Wow, that's great. But then over the years, after she had had all four of her children, she said, you know what? I want to go back to school. And she talked to my dad. And my dad was the breadwinner. He was working his 70 hours a week. And you know, really making sure that we had food on the table, we had clothes on our back, and we had all the necessities and then some where we it didn't feel like, you know, we were, that we, we didn't know how, we didn't know that we didn't come from the best of beginnings from that stand from a financial standpoint. So, you know, they decided, okay, let's have her pursue this. So she ended up getting her GED she ended up getting, I'm going to fast track this story. She ended up getting her GED, her associates, her bachelors, her masters, and her PsyD. Over the course of the years of, I think, 14 years, she ended up acquiring those degrees and being magna, magna cum laude for every one of her degrees. And get this, This is this is where the turning point is. She did this while she was diagnosed with cancer. Her first diagnosis was breast cancer. And I remember, I think I was in seventh grade or so. I mean, I was young and my siblings were even younger. One of them was in diapers, I think. And, um, and that was a big change for me too because already in our culture, where when you have your firstborn and it's a girl, You know, they revere you as a second mom and they really raise you to be the second mom. So so much so that they take away your name and they they kind of bequeath you the role of what we call an auntie. So that means second mom. So now, you know, my siblings, anyone who's younger than me can no longer call me Anita out of respect. They have to call me auntie, even to this day. Wow. I had to step into that role while my mom was going through that cancer. And even through that, she was going to school, you know, when, when they did a double mastectomy. And back then when they did those type of procedures, it was like, they had no, they had no like, like respect almost, or like consideration for how that would make a woman feel, how it would affect them from a femininity, from a self-worth standpoint. I mean, it was like they chopped off her breast, literally. And that was it and sent her home and sent her home, she had bags dripping. And she, when I tell you she had out of this world strength and perseverance and steadfastness, she did. She always came with a presence, eloquence, you know, glamor and sophistic- classic sophistication with tubes hanging down, studying at the, late at night and, and still making sure her kids were tended to. And then obviously delegating to me to make sure, you know, My brothers, their homework was done, helping her to cook. She taught me how to cook, actually, from the time I was six. So, you know, giving me all of these different responsibilities and really training me to be this, like, well-rounded, almost like a, I call myself a Renaissance woman, where you don't hold back, you don't let anything, you know, hold you back. You just go in and you, you do all that you possibly can that God has given you the ability to do and you set, you, know, you set your bar high. So for me, there's no excuse. There's no excuse to go to dental school. There's no excuse to not seek other opportunities in my career and try to excel and be the better version of myself every day and as I continue to grow, you know, and there's no excuse to back down. You know, there's no excuse to stop. She didn't and, she did that while having four kids maintaining a household and, pers- and she pursued her dream. She pursued her dream and she she studied clinical psychology and child development. So that was what her degrees, her, her focus and her degree was. Unfortunately, she passed away. And when she did, she was literally like about to finish her dissertation. Like she had like one sentence left. Aww and the the program gave her her degree it's the right thing to do that's right so they honored her degree so on her tombstone it says you know dr patricia ndidi madwani because you know it is the right thing to do and she put in the work and her story isn't crazy yeah beyond that she was also a strong voice in the the community local community and even nationwide traveling all over the, the nation to speak about breast cancer awareness. Wow. Yes. She was hometown hero several times. You know, She was in trade magazines, in newspaper articles, did op-eds. Um, she also was a strong advocate, like one of the major voices in sickle cell disease awareness, because my sis- sister and has sickle cell, and she lost two sisters in Nigeria to sickle cell. Wow. So she was, she, again, she was well-rounded. I mean, she was doing all of that. <laughs> all while going through chemotherapy. Going through chemotherapy, having a daughter who has sickle cell and who's also, there was one point where her and my sister were in the hospital and, you know, she, they, I don't know how they facilitated it and how she was able to go over to where my sister was. And, and, you know, she, she always had that recurrent message of you got to fight. You got to be strong. Mommy's here with you. She'll never leave you, but you got to eat. You got to garner up your strength. You've got to you know, move, your, move your limbs, get some circulation, like you know, talk to your auntie. And I was always, always, you know, by my sister's side and, and always talking to her. And, you know, even to this day, still being that support system, just like my mom was, just like she was for all of us.
0: sure. Sure. Now, is your dad still living? Do you mind if
1: I ask? He is. He is. He is. After she passed away, he actually was diagnosed with cancer. Oh gosh. And it was uh, not Hodgkin's lymphoma, and um, and fortunately, he was able to to survive and overcome that. And so it's nice to to know that you know we're not orphans. One, and nice to know that he's in good good sound health and you know he's he's doing okay he's doing okay and he's been able to move on because that was a that time that time period was a very challenging time you know having one losing one and then having the other one and the unknown around that too so
0: oh i'm sure it must have been devastating to all of you to think about losing both of them in such a short amount of time
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: yeah loss like that is significant i lost both my parents within 11 weeks now both older but you know still it was tragic for us because, you know, it's almost like my dad died of a broken heart because he just couldn't be without her. And, you know, it was, it was a really sad time. Just not, you know, but you have all those memories and I, I see the light on your face, just beaming at the memories of your mom. And so you're right. She's still alive. I mean, you know, it's just a different energy level, a different plane, but she is still alive. And, you know, obviously she sees what you're doing and so proud. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a great story of inspiration. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like I'm, you know, if I can do my due diligence, I I believe in testimonies, I'm Christian. So I believe in testimonies. So I feel like if I can do my due diligence and share her story, just as it's an inspiration, empowerment for me, hopefully it'll be the same for others outside of my family.
0: I'll share with you that we've had several students diagnosed in school with breast cancer and one had ALS, significant uh, medical issues. And, you know, between the students helping each other and supporting one another and the families, they all made it through. And so You know, unfortunately, you know, you don't always know what happens afterwards, but we have been extremely fortunate to be able to see the success of these students, even though they were so ill. So it is perseverance. It is resilience. It's it's like just putting your blinders on and staying focused and you got a job to do and you're going to do it. And, you know, good for your mom. Good for them too. That's Mm. right.
1: Absolutely. And I think it also comes down to, that's when you really see, Support come to life. Like for people who think that they made it in this world and they did it on their own. You know, I feel like it's hard to really say that because when you start to dig deep and you think back to your past experiences, the people that you've had in your life, you have to give acknowledgement and kudos and respect to those, whether it's from your household or it's some person that you met randomly on the plane that just gave you that one piece of advice, you know, like. It could be anything, but support is huge. And, you know, I, I take a lot of the type of support system that I've had over the years and support system that my mom had or my sister or whoever, you know, I take that as how I need to support others throughout, you know, through their career. whether It's their dental career, career, professional, you know, growth and development.
0: I think that, you know, when you think about that, it's the ripple effect, right? One word, one breath, one, anything can have a ripple effect on somebody's life that changes the trajectory forever. And that also happened to me. So, but this is not about me, but I will say that I would not be where I am today. If somebody didn't tell me I wasn't smart enough because don't tell me I'm not going to be able to do something because I'm just going to show you that I can't. That's
1: right. That's right.
0: (laughs) And I I think about that man all the time. And and I share this story all the time. But I think about this person and I say to myself, I wish I could just say thank you. You know, he didn't know. I mean, he was being a jerk, obviously. And that's not a way to encourage a 14-year-old. But, you know, he inspired me to do more and be more. And there was, I remember going to bed that night and saying to myself, there is no way anybody is gonna tell me what to do or how I'm gonna do my life. There is no way. And that has been the fueling fire my entire life. So kudos, kudos to them, kudos to all the people out there that say something that is just perfect, even though it's negative, it does have an impact on, on our lives.
1: Absolutely.
0: Tell us one thing that people would be surprised to know about you.
1: There's a couple of things actually. I think typically on a day-to-day basis, obviously in the, in the dental organization that I'm a part of, people know, know me, right? But outside of that day-to-day basis, I think people typically are surprised that one, I'm a dentist, let alone I'm in the type of role that I'm in. So a dental director and they're like, what is that? And then I have to, you know, enlighten. Um, and then the other is that I'm also a professional baker. So when people hear the two, they're like, wait a minute. So you fix cavities and then you give cavities. And then I, my, my quick response is, hey, everyone needs job security. And then they kind of chuckle from that. But it's interesting. And I say that because I've talked about this on several panels and even a podcast is that people have a frame in their mind of who they think you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to dress or what what kind of car you're supposed to drive? I remember a patient one time saw a specific car, it was this luxury car in the parking lot and thought that he automatically assumed that's my car because I'm a dentist, that's my car. And he didn't know that my, I didn't have a car. I don't like cars. And I drive a lifted truck that has big tires. And he's, and when he found that out from my office manager, cause I didn't say anything, he was shocked and he had incredible respect. He's like, wait, Dr. I have a lifted truck so it, it's amazing because when people hear me say dentist they're like I wouldn't have pegged you for a dentist mm-hmm. and you know when I do ask what would you peg me for they're like um maybe a model or an actress or um, I don't know something like in the business sense or marketing or social media influencer and I'm like interesting how the times have changed but I think that also goes along with, Part of it is how they view an individual and their own conceptions or thoughts, and then even working off of stereotypes too, right? And then the other part of it is me being a woman, where can we categorize me um, with respect to how people view men versus women in certain industries? So it's like, I have the best of both worlds. I'm a dentist and I'm a professional baker. If they had to choose two, they would think I was a baker first before a dentist.
0: Mm-hmm. When you compare the male and female thing, it brings me up, it reminds me to ask you a question. So when you were going through dental school and even during your career, have you ever felt any bias against you because you're a
1: woman? That's an interesting question. When I was, cause I went to dental school at University of Southern California. And at that time we had, when I was, came in as a D1, we had 70% males wow, and 30% females. When I graduated though, it went from 70 to 60, 60, 40. So it was 60% male and 40% female. Now today, I believe it's about 52% female. We're 64. Look at that. (laughs) 64%. (laughs) So, So with that, there was definitely, I can't really say that I had any type of experiences per se that had to do with me being a woman in the class or through the program. If anything, I did see and I did feel sometimes even differences in how I was treated from female faculty. Ah, interesting. Maybe even more they were more assertive or they were more demanding or critical. More critical, exactly, more critical than the male faculty, but it was only a few of them. So I can't I'm not going to generalize because we have exceptional faculty at USC and I'm, I mean I, again, I wouldn't be the clinician that I am today without having that those humble beginnings. So if anything, that was that was some of what I experienced. But even so, I still had a great rapport with even those faculty members. So I, I can't really say that that was the case. And I think that, you know, I, I was in dental school at a time where it shouldn't be the case anymore because a lot of due diligence has has taken place before then. Um, but like a Dr. Lai, you know, who was my mentor for so long. I mean, she had that. She definitely had the, you know, men do it better than women, extractions, you know, you're, you're itty bitty and, and tiny, maybe you should focus on getting into pediatric dentistry kind of thing where, you know, I remember when I was in dental school, I actually wanted to be either an orthodontist or an oral surgeon. I mean, I was going for the top and I was, I was very encouraged and supported through it all from you know, our head of our oral surgery department who our head of our pediatric department, whatever it is that I set my mind on or wanted to um, aspire to do in, at USC, I really did have a, a great support system from, from the school. And I say that, and I can say that with confidence because, and I didn't mention this before, my mom passed away when I was a junior going into my senior year of dental school. Wow tough time. So, you know, there was a lot of compassion that was showed upon me and I didn't get special treatment. So I didn't get special treatment, but there was a lot of empathy and understanding. And I think there was consideration for that as well. So in that type of trying time and what could have been a huge setback, maybe I wouldn't even be a dentist today. It was nice to know that there was, there was that strong sense of community in the program. Um, to help me get through it.
0: I gotta say that I think dentistry is one of the tightest-knit communities of an industry that I've ever seen. It's small. Everybody seems to know everybody else, especially in your local area. I just find, and especially during COVID, there was so much support there for each other. And you know we're all in this together and we're gonna get through this, the whole bit. So I have to say that I am really happy to be a part of this industry. I just find it to be, you know, it's still, you know, I'm not even gonna tell you how many years later, but a long time later still fuels me, you know, and it still makes me
1: want to get up and go to work every day. Absolutely, and I I think back to the history of, of the profession and how much it's grown and how much it's advanced, innovative technology, the disruption in the industry for the greater good, create opportunities for you and I, be able to be in this industry and to excel in this industry and take on leadership roles in this industry, especially as women. Um, But also from a a holistic standpoint, the industry compared to other healthcare, you know, sex has kind of been the underdog and has been in many ways disregarded and not seen as to that level of your true and true healthcare providers. But yet what we do on a day-to-day basis directly impacts the lives of individuals and not just from an oral health standpoint from a but from a total health standpoint absolutely and everything else that you would think of from a psychosocial development or psychosocial standpoint that dental impacts an individual so I feel as though because of that and because you know learning and going through some of those growing pains together no matter what sex gender, you know, affiliations you have, I think that's what has allowed us to come together so strongly in this profession. And then to leverage how we can better support ourselves, both as individuals, but also as professionals. So, so we have the likes of now, you know, organizations that people can really feel like feel like it's relatable, whether it's an Indian dental association or American association for women dentists or ADA or whatnot there's a plethora of, of areas that people can get involved and be a part of something and still feel like they're still part of, you know the greater good with the industry.
0: I'll give you a little background on, on the differences um, and why it was separated from medicine way back when. Um, one of the deans of one of the first medical schools looked at dentistry as a mechanical, mechanical, uh, you know, performance, right? Whereas medicine, was more intellectual and you know, learning. And when I think about this, uh, my question to, to people has been, because I, I really am passionate about integrating uh, medicine into dentistry. So that's a topic for another day. But what I realize is that there isn't anything non-mechanical about every single thing that we do and that medicine does. I mean, think about doing cardiac surgery. You have a pump, a heart pump, pump in the heart while you're going through surgery. So it's all mechanical, but that was the reason why we were sidelined. They also thought that we were cracks, crackpots, you know, that, that only illiterate, stupid people would pull teeth out. And I think, you know, it's funny because the perception that the mouth is separate from the body has got to stop because, you know, if you had an infection in your foot, you wouldn't cut your foot off, would you? No, no, you wouldn't. So, you know, an infection in the mouth is affecting everything in the body and it has caused so many issues for people that, you know, it's time to, to, for the profession and for all of us dentists to wake up and say, okay, it's enough of the silos, let's put these aside and let's really focus on how we can work together to support our patients, I mean, mm-hmm. really. That's that's yeah, absolutely so. Next question is: Do you have a motto that you live by?
1: I would say it's something that my mom told me when I was young, and she said this in you know her native tongue, which we say native tongue, but her native language. And it, it went a little something like this: Never forget where you came from, where you are today and where you will be tomorrow. And she said that at so many points in my life, when whether I needed to hear it or I wanted to hear it, she made it known. And, and it, it didn't mean that it was relative to a specific context at that time, but it was, an, it, it was a, always a reminder to, to humble oneself. And so I've lived by that since I was young. Yeah. And I actually, when I coach doctors and I coach teams, I, you know, I, I try to resonate that message as well. You know, never forget where you came from, where you are today and where you're going or where you want to be tomorrow. Because when you remember your background and you honor it too, no matter what that background was, maybe it wasn't the best, maybe you didn't have the best upbringing or maybe you didn't have, you know, all the resources available to you back then. Maybe there were challenges or there was strife or, or death. In my case, use that as an opportunity to view you and as a learning experience. And then check yourself for today. Know who you are, never let go of who you are, right? Because that all has to do, contributes to who you are, but you also contribute to who you are. The choices you make, what you seek, the opportunities that you're trying to, to gain, what you do and what you don't do, those decisions that you make or don't make are all going to affect who you are. And then have a vision for tomorrow. Don't just settle for today or say, okay, just don't settle period. Always be looking for how can I be a better version of myself? How can I do better, be better and have it clear in your mind? This is my vision. And what do I need to do to get there? And how what kind of support, again, humbling myself, what kind of feedback or coaching? Or skill development. Skill development, exactly. What do I need to help me get there? And then get there. Don't let anything stop you.
0: Right, right. So what is the Anita of tomorrow
1: look like? Ha, well, the Anita of tomorrow is mommy because I'm four months pregnant. <laughs> Congratulations. That's best
0: profession there is. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to that. My husband and I, you know, every day, there's always something that we're talking about with regards to future baby Gallo. That's, um, that's my married name. So that's future mommy. And really, what does that look like from a work life balance? Because back then, you know, I was before I married my husband, or we married, um, I was single, you know, and work, family and work was what I had and, and of course, hobbies and things like that. And so, you know, I always thought I knew what work-life balance was, but now that I'm a mom, I've got this baby growing in my womb and I'm thinking of the future, it's how do I map that out? Um, what does that look like? And how is it gonna work for me when I think of who I am and checking myself who I am and what I want when it comes to my career and things like that? So. Work-life balance right now has been at the forefront of my mind. And then the other piece would be continuing to propel my career. You know, I'm in the role that I'm in and it's afforded me great opportunities. I've traveled all over the world doing the things that I love with philanthropy and giving back. And I want to continue to do that and develop more programs with regards to our philanthropy side and even take on my own personal initiatives um, with regards to that too, because that's been so heavily ingrained in me from the time I was young. Absolutely. So hopefully that answers your question.
0: It is awesome. And I could, you know, many of us know exactly where we're going, but we don't visualize it, right? And I find that that is the number one key for creating your future is to visualize it into being. And, you know, I don't know where I learned it. I started doing that from a very young age. I never not saw myself as a dentist from a very young age. So it took me a long time to get there, but I always knew I was gonna be a dentist. I just knew. And so, you know, I think that that is a critical piece of this is that you need to have your vision. And if you're not clear on your vision, You're like a a a sailboat without a rudder. You know, you're just all over the place, and
1: you don't know where you're going. So, yeah, especially in this type of industry, especially being a woman in this industry, because now there are so many opportunities to do so much in this profession. You know, I remember when when I was in the first starting off in the industry, and it was like you could only be one thing. You could only be an associate, and then if you wanted to be more, you had to leave that that position leave that office to go and do something else. Or, you know, if you're going to be an owner, you're only going to be an owner. Now, you know, we've got women that are on dental boards, women that are leading these uh, major organizations, Uh, whether it's dental or not, you know, they're executive director of this, chief of this, CEO, dean, associate dean. They're taking all these leadership roles, being in trade magazines. People are asking them for their opinions, being industry leaders and stuff like that. So I think this is the time where, Kudos to you again for putting together this type of podcast, because this upcoming generation needs to know that they got to keep going. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. There's, there's so much available to them, literally fingertip away. You can just click and you can listen to a podcast. You can go on social media and you've got this amazing rock star female dentist that is doing great things. And she's got her cases, you know clinical cases that she's featured and she's featured in this and on this talk show there's so many and as, and she's a working mom three <laughs> <Four> kids <laughs> devoted life you know there's there's ample 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 opportunity you just have to you have to stay grounded and you got to seek it out you mentioned that you you had paid off your loans i think you said right and and that you were giving that counsel to those dental students I get that question a lot because part of what I do in the, in the clinical support role, you know, I do collaborate with a lot of these academic institutions and, and so I get to talk to a lot of different dental schools, um, dental students and, and, and about career opportunities, whether it's with Aspen or beyond Aspen, you know, and And they do talk about how do I pay off my loans? Like, how does this work? And I'm like, dude, (laughs) I came out with $450,000 debt and I paid it off, but you have to be focus driven. Exactly. Oh my gosh. You gotta have clarity. Like you gotta come out and at least have some, some insight, do some introspection, but some insight into what you want to do. It may not be as clear, but at least, okay, I want to start off as an associate, I want to get mentorship and then seek it out. Or I want to be a practice owner in like three, four years, and then start working with mentors and coaches that will help you map that out and reach that goal.
0: Absolutely,
1: But it can be done. And as a woman, it definitely can be done. I mean, I was a single woman. Yes, I didn't have children or whatnot, but I had other responsibilities and, and I still made it happen. And I know of many doctors who are practice owners, multi-unit practice owners, women who you know, because of that, they've been able to pay off their loans or single mother, single mother doing it in the grind, in the trenches, you know, and has the grit and just makes it happen. So I hope that, you know, through, through mediums like this, we are able to continue to empower this next generation of women to be leaders and great clinicians and so on and so forth, because The time is now, like there's no excuse in this industry now. There's no excuse. (laughs) Totally agree.
0: And the one other piece I would add to that is that, you know, you're never too old either. Your mom went back to school. I went back to school when I was 35. And, you know, of course, I was much older than all my classmates. And, you know, they still embraced me and made me part of the class. I I could give a little bit of wisdom at that point. Just because I was a mom, I did have a mortgage to pay and all that kind of stuff. But you do have to be extremely focused and you have to have a plan. Uh, one of the things that I'm really adamant about with my students is teaching them the financial piece and the financial side of this and the responsibility that comes with it. And that, you know, you don't need that Prada purse or whatever it is that, that you know, tickles your fancy or, or the Ferrari car to drive around with. No, you don't. You know what? It's just stuff, right? It's just status stuff that if that makes you feel better, okay, but wait until you pay off your student loans first, you know, prioritize your financial situation. Because let me tell you, you get to your 60s and you don't have that prioritized. There's a lot of anxiety. I've seen it. And especially in dentistry, there's only about the, the rates. I think at one point, there was only about 10% of dentists in this country that had their financial future secure when they retired. And that's why so many dentists continue to work at at an older age because they're not where they should be or they woke up too late. So don't wake up too late, start saving very early.
1: Exactly. When I had graduated dental school, speaking of that and like having a vision, my classmates at that time, especially after my mom passed away, I, I pretty much gave up the vision of going into specialty. I decided to go into a GPR because it was like, you know, I'm grieving. I only have so much strength. I was on the track to, you know, really excel on the national boards. And when I came back from her funeral, all I wanted to do was take it and be done with it and keep moving and finish, you know, graduate on, on time. And I remember, you know, telling some of my classmates, like, even when I came into dental school, I always knew that I was only going to be chair side as a clinician for 10 years, no more than 10 years. And it,
0: Really? You already yes, knew that.
1: I already knew it. Um, and maybe part of it is because I have entrepreneurs in my family. My dad is like literally everyone in my family, immediate family is an entrepreneur, including myself. But I always knew that. And so having that vision, like, okay, I only have, my clock is 10 years and then I'm still going to be in the industry, but I'm not going to be within those four walls of the office. I may be beyond the chair doing other things like philanthropy or what I'm doing now. And it all, it all fell into place or baking. Right. But the vision was clear. And so it gave me that track of, you know, I was really only chair side for six years before I transitioned into more of this type of role, the business management, coaching doctors type of role. And so six years that, that fast track is where, You know, I gained a lot, a wealth of experience as a clinician and really furthered my career, but also, you know, was able to take on different opportunities and see different sides of of the private and the public sect and really hone in on, you know, grounding myself to ensure that I could pay off those loans. Because what I didn't want to have happen is, you know, my cutoff was 10 years and I'm I'm still having to pay off, you know, $300,000 loans. So I wanted to put myself in a position where I didn't have that. And that happened. Good for you. Congratulations.
0: It's an amazing feat because you know, not everybody can do that. So congratulations. That's really great. Now you you brought up being a mom, and and you know, I think one of the biggest pieces of, of learning that I had when I was a mom and went back to school was, you know, I was so guilty personally thinking oh my gosh you know she's not going to have her mom at home and all that kind of stuff i will tell you it was the best thing i could have ever done for my daughter and i'm sure you realize this as well because you watched your mom study all the time and learn and be brave and do something that and bold that you know she did it at an older age and most moms don't do that right when i when i think back my daughter is a kick-ass boss. <laughs> I, like I say that. Get <laughs> <Did> it, girl. <laughs> pretty formidable. Um, and um, I will say, you know, she was working for the CEO two years. Two years into finishing her MBA degree. So you know, it's when when we we speak more by our actions than we do by what we say. So when they see us doing these great things, that inspires them to do great things. And they may not, it may not express itself right away, but as adults, it always does. So I just wanted to share that piece of advice as you enter into this new era and it's gonna be amazing and kill you at the same time.
1: (laughs) I know, oh my goodness. I mean, there's so much that I'm learning and obviously I'm gonna learn along the way. And I loved I love that advice and thank you and I humbly accept that piece of advice and it's something that I thought of because when I mentioned you know work life balance earlier, what I was thinking of is okay so what is that going to look like when it comes to me returning from maternity leave you know what's that going to look like with regards to like my travel schedule and you know because I travel quite a bit and not just domestically obviously for our international programs too and. And and there's there's other you know commitments that I have with regards to my role. But one thing that has always resonated, and again, I love that you mentioned this, is the fact that number one, my mom did it. Yeah. You know, my mom did it, and I want, I want hopefully if it's future daughter, even son, to know that mommy did it mm-hmm. or no holds bar. You know, she came with the grit, she came with the passion, and she did it. And she still loved, loved me unconditionally and made sure that you know, we were provided for her and, her and my dad. And she led by example, you know, with the diligence, with the perseverance, with the courage, with the strength even. She did it and found a way to balance it. She was still, she was still there for our soccer games. You know, she was still there. We were having our, our date nights and we had our uh, movie night or we were cooking together or baking together, you know, but she was always present, even if she was away. That's the message that I want, you know, my children to have and, and to see me hopefully as a good example.
0: You know, and I think too, both male and female need to see that because I think our young men, and it's very different now than it was when I was bringing up my daughter, but you know, men need to see strong women. They need to, little boys need to see their moms as strong women because it's only going to help them become better partners as they mature and they get married and look
1: for a spouse. Yes. And I want them to see that that there was a legacy. There was a legacy from my mom. There was a legacy from their grandparents. There's a legacy from their father and that they channel all of that. And it gives them the encouragement and the empowerment and sense of self and self and awareness to pursue the things that they want to pursue in life and to do it do it with passion and, and do it well and be successful you know whatever that means for them. I think that's the ultimate message. So I you know I'm embracing this this journey. <laughs> and this next chapter, I can't wait. It's exciting baby is due in June so
0: oh beautiful time to have a baby. Oh. I'm a June baby, but it's, it's a great time. It is, you know, because it's warm out, you have the summer, you can take the summer off. You know, you probably don't have to go back until the middle of September. Oh, my gosh, it's wonderful. And when's your birthday? 21st. Yeah, I actually think I have the best birthday in the whole year because it's the longest day of the year. And I remember as a little girl thinking, oh, my gosh, I have all this sunshine. God made it special for my day. You know, I remember thinking that, and you know, it's it's little did I know that, uh, you know, it was the summer solstice. But at, I realized that there was so much sun because it stayed light out until nine o'clock at night, and we could still play outside because that's when you had to come in when it was when it was dark. <laughs> <laughs> little tidbit, I have to say that I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and getting to know you a little bit, Anita. I. I just can't believe it any last words of wisdom for our students out there or any young women starting to pursue their
1: career in dentistry anything is possible it sounds it may sound cliche and we see it a lot we've seen it in nursery rhymes we've seen it in movies and shows and things like that but there's a lot of truth to that you know believe in yourself and don't let anything stop you we have great pioneers that paved the way for us to be in the place that we are today and know that nothing and no one can define you. Only you can define how you want to be defined. Okay. And for me, you know, dentistry does not define me. I define the dentistry that I, I want to practice and how I want to be. And I take on the resources to, you know, be. In that industry or be in this industry but it doesn't define me so and i'm not defined by being a woman i'm defined by being me and and what i bring forth to the table and and my talent and knowledge and and whatever the case may be so know that you're not defined by you know your your sex or your race or your affiliations circumstances you're defined by you so let those choices lead you in a way that will allow you to continue to grow and excel, both in your professional career, but also in your life. And seek out mentors. Don't shy away from it. Take on mentors because I, I, I'm a firm believer that you should always have a coach. Even to, the, to your dying days, there should always be something or someone who is providing a sense of, you know, providing coaching or development, or leadership, or whatever the case may be for you, but seek that out, because that also is going to help you to continue to grow.
0: Absolutely. Great words of wisdom. Anita, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for
1: having me, and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you so
0: much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.